words to that hymn that we sang just moments ago, the fitness that God requireth, albeit a different kind of fitness. It's a reminder that it is a new year, and I'm sure you all have your New Year's resolutions laid out to eat healthy, to exercise, to work on a particular relationship, to spend more time with family, to perhaps read more books, uh, to stick to a budget, perhaps multiple of these. And I'm sure that all of you will remain committed to those resolutions for at least another week or so before the newness of 2015 begins to wear off an old routines and old habits settle back into place. Although I know there are some here, um, certainly a minority I'm sure, that have a little more drive than the rest of us and that will see these things through for a month or two or three, maybe a couple of you for the whole year. However, this morning there is one pursuit, one commitment Uh, One resolution, if you will, that I want us to hone in on, to think about, that is not bound to a particular time frame, uh, that uh, cannot be approached as other resolutions or temporary commitments in life, cannot be approached as you would approach a weight loss boot camp where you pursue a certain goal, and when you achieve that goal, or that level of uh, sacrifice and commitment, when you accomplish a certain um, goal in front of you, that you then step back and then settle into the way things were previously. Because it's a call that remains for your life. It's not a call to a particular time period. It's not a definite call in the sense that it is temporary, but it's indefinite in the sense that it is unlimited, not in the sense that it's unknown, but it's a call to a commitment that is for forever, and it's the call to worship the true God, the the living God of Scripture, and it is for forever. Christian walk can be described as a journey, a journey that people are called to embark on, to engage in, to participate in, begins with a call from God, a call from God to to exercise trust in Him, faith in Him, that we're then to respond to with a commitment to Him, ultimately leading to intimate communion with Him. This morning, we return to our study of Genesis, beginning a new series uh, from Genesis chapter 12, entitled Faith to Follow. And as we look at Genesis together this morning, at one of the most central passages in all of Scripture, one of the most foundational, important sections of God's Word, indeed, the central passage of the book of Genesis, and foundational text for our understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ. As we look at God's word here together this morning, I believe that we will see that those who believe the word of the Lord will leave all else behind and cleave to his promises 
through faithful worship and obedience. Those who believe, who truly believe in faith, the word of the Lord will leave all behind and cleave, cling to his promises through faithful worship and obedience. As you began to turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12, and certainly would invite you to look at God's word with me this morning, Uh, but we come to a turning point in this book, a turning point, a, a change in really what's included now in the book of Genesis, whereas the previous chapters, the previous 11 chapters, recounted the creation of the human race, the creation of every living thing on earth, and their the human race's subsequent disobedience and rebellion against their maker, against their creator, and coming judgment of God as a result of it. Now, the author of this book, ultimately God himself, begins a much more specific and narrow focus on one man and his descendants and the hope of blessing that is laid out for every man through this one man. In fact, the first 11 chapters of Genesis cover many generations of people and the next 39 chapters cover just four generations in the history of God's people. Leading us, calling us, communicating to us to recognize that from this point forward in the book of Genesis and ultimately in the word of God, God focuses on his determination To bless a people for himself. So let me invite you to look with me at Genesis chapter 12. And before we specifically look at Genesis chapter 12 verses 1 through 9. Back up with me to chapter 11. The final verses of chapter 11. Which provide really background material uh, for our text. For our passage this morning. So Genesis chapter 11. I'll begin reading in verse 27. This is the account of Terah's family line. And if you'll remember, that's a common phrase that's used in the book of Genesis to recount um, lineage, the story of a certain person or people. This is the account of Terah's family line. Terah became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran became the father of Lot. While his father Terah was still alive, Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans in the land of his birth. Abram and Nahor both married. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. She was the daughter of Haran, the father of both Milcah and Iscah. Now Sarai was childless because she was not able to conceive. Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram, and together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Terah lived 205 years, and he died in Haran. Now, all of this, really, background information, catching us as readers of God's Word up to speed with what is going to take place in the verses that follow, in the chapters that follow. So here we're introduced to this man, Terah, and his three sons, Abram, Nahor, and Haran, really just to introduce us to Abram who later, you know, became Abraham and is the central character in the book of Genesis for the next several chapters. And we're told that Abram was married to Sarai and Sarai was barren. She was childless. 
Something important for us to keep in mind, to remember in the chapters ahead. We're often the wives of these fathers of our faith, the wives of the patriarch, experienced a time of barrenness, ultimately calling Abram and Sarah to, to fully trust in God and His promises. Also introduced to Lot, the nephew of Abram, son of Haran, who died in Ur of the Chaldeans who died in this city, this town in southern Mesopotamia, in modern-day Iraq. Abram may well have become the one who was to care for and to provide for and to watch over Lot after the death of his father. And then lastly, we read here, we learn here that his father figure, Terah, died. After setting out with his family to the promised land, after setting out toward the land of Canaan, they settled in Haran, and there Terah died. Now let's pick up the story in Genesis chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. The first truth that I think we learn from this text, from Genesis chapter 12, and this call of God to Abram is that God calls people to a new beginning with his blessing. Certainly a truth that we could deduce from this passage in the context of all of God's word that God calls people, has a history of calling people, calls people today to a new beginning with his blessing. Abram was, prior to this, living in Ur and then in Haran. He was not a young man. He was 75 years old. He was established, he was settled. We learned from this book later that he had many possessions. His roots were laid down. His family roots were were in a culture, a pagan culture that worshipped false gods. And now God appears to him. The God of Scripture speaks to him. And we can only speculate what that looked like. But the God of the Bible speaks to Abram. The word of the Lord comes to Abram and invites him to participate in a life-changing, a life-altering act of obedience, invites him to faith in him, to leave that place where he's settled, where he's established, and to follow God to the place that he will show him. We learn from this story, we learn from this invitation, we learn from this example and illustration in the life of Abram that God's way requires Faith. God's way requires faith. This is a call, an invitation for, for Abram to leave what is known, to leave his family, to leave his roots, to leave a place where he has settled, or he has acquired a lot of things in this life, To leave these specifics behind and to follow the Lord to a place that is unknown to him. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. 
Likewise, sometimes in our own lives, what God is calling us to leave is more specific than what He's calling us to. Sometimes God calls us to to leave certain things behind, certain behaviors behind, certain places behind, certain comforts behind, and calls us to an act of faith in Him, an act of trust in Him, not even knowing exactly where we are going, not knowing exactly where He is leading us. The call to faith in the God of Scripture, the call to trust totally in The Lord is a call that is extended to all of us ultimately through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Invited to to repent of an old way of life, to turn our backs on an old way of life, to repent of sin and to trust in Jesus for salvation and to follow Him. Maybe not knowing exactly what that's going to look like or how that's going to play out in our lives, but an act of trust and obedience nonetheless a call and an invitation that is later described in Scripture by another human author inspired by the Spirit of God. The book of Ephesians, a letter that Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 20 and following, we read that that, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in Him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. In other words, all of us, if we have responded to God in faith, have come from a place where life centered around me and I. Selfishness and pride and my desires and my wants. Where I am on the throne. A pagan place filled with idols, much like Abram in his own life. And yet Paul writes into the Christian life, speaking to that very circumstance, that, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in Him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. We are called like Abram, to exercise full faith and trust in the word of the Lord. According to God's word, and specifically as we read and look at the life and the call of Abram, we see here that those who are obedient to God's call experience His blessing. Those who are obedient to God's call experience His blessing. God doesn't call us or call anyone or call people because He needs more soldiers in His army. God's call on our life is not like recess in the fourth grade when we're standing on the soccer field and two captains are selecting people for their team in order to to have the best team so that they might can defeat the other team. No, God's call doesn't come to us because He needs anything from us. But God's call on our lives is ultimately so that He can bless us. And we see this in Abram's life. God calls Abram. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. And I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. 
And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So God calls Abram, specific call. Leave these things behind. Come and follow me. And he offers three promises. Make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. All of these promises ultimately so that Abram can then be obedient to the second command. And that's to be a blessing on others. Ultimately, this call that came to Abram was a call that was to bless Abram not just for the sake of Abram and his immediate family but for the sake of all peoples on earth and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you, Abram. A reminder that God's plans bigger than one person. God's plan is bigger than just Abram. It's bigger than just his descendants. It's bigger than just his family. God's plan is Involves blessing the nations of the world, blessing the people of the world through Abram. Think about the tension here that, that this man must have been feeling and facing, called by God to leave the familiar things behind, to leave some of his family behind, to leave his comfort behind, leave his settlements behind and ultimately to exercise full trust in him because God says, I'm going to make you a great nation even though I'm calling you to leave your nation where you have influence. And I'm going to make your name great even though the very existence of your name is threatened because your wife is barren and you have no children. A call to true faith in God call to total trust in the Lord. And this is the call that we receive as people today as well. God calls us to trust in Him, to seek Him, to place our faith in Him, to recognize His calling, leading us to a total commitment to Him so that we might experience communion with Him. Those who believe the Word of the Lord will leave all else and cleave to his promises through faithful worship and obedience. And we see this played out in Abram's life as the story continues. So look back with me at Genesis chapter 12, picking up in verse 4. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and all the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan. And they arrived there. Abram Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Moreh at Shechem. The time the Canaanites were in the land. Learn from God's word here that those who believe God will follow him. Those who believe God will follow him. Based on the content of this passage, the content... It's included for us here in God's written word. We have every reason to believe that Abram acted quickly. He acted with obedience. The the Lord had said to Abram, verse 1, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. Verse 4, so Abram went as the Lord had told him. God called, Abram obeyed. 
And this is because faith is demonstrated by obedience. Faith is demonstrated by obedience. Our faith in the Lord God, our faith in the God of the Bible, ought to have bearing on the way that we live our lives, on the way that we respond to Him. There's one action here in these verses that is emphasized, that's repeated over and over again. Translated, went, set out, traveled. So Abram went, verse 4, and Lot went with him. Verse 4, he set out from Haran. Verse 5, he set out for the land of Canaan. Verse 6, he traveled through the land. He went in obedience to the call of God, displaying full trust, total commitment to God. Took his wife, Sarai, verse 5, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran. Took his wife, took his nephew, took all that they had. And later we learned that both Abram and Lot had many possessions. They were wealthy folks. And the people they had acquired, and there's different ways that we can understand what's being communicated there. This could refer to children, but we know at this point that Abram and Sarai didn't have any children. They didn't have kids, so to speak, that they were taking with them. It could also refer to Slaves or servants, although it's rarely used, it would be somewhat unusual for this word to be used that way in that time. Another possibility is that this word refers to proselytes, converts, those that Abram has proclaimed this message to, that he's heard from the Lord, those that he has convinced that this word of the Lord that came to him was true and inviting them to come along for the journey. And if that's true, Abram is already practicing faith in the proclamation of his faith in the Lord. But even so, for all those that went with him, for Abram himself, this would, would not always be an easy road. This would be a difficult journey of faith. This would be a difficult walk. This wouldn't always be like traveling the interstates of Tennessee. At times, this would be much more like the rough roads of central Belize or the intersections of Tegucigalpa or the far right-hand turn lane on Highway 280 in December going on to Summit Boulevard. This would be a road that was filled with potholes and distractions and people out to to get those who are seeking to be faithful and obedient to the Lord. This would be a road that tests the faith of, of those that are called. Abram finds himself here in a difficult place. The author of Genesis reminding us as readers of the difficulty that lay ahead in verse 6. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Moreh at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. At this point in the story, we're not told much about the Canaanites, but for those, the Hebrews that, that knew this story, that were reading this later, looking back, they knew that the Canaanites over and over in this book were describing a pagan people, a people who worshipped false gods. 
the people who were the antagonists. And even more so, Abram traveled to this, this site, this great tree of Moreh. And Moreh in the Hebrew means teacher, likely referring to a place where a, a pagan teacher taught religion, a place where idols perhaps were sacrificed to pagan gods. And in essence, this is a reminder to Abram and, and to all of his descendants who are reading this story that this will be a difficult road. This will not be an easy journey. This is not a road that promises a bunch of good things in this life. This will be a road that, yes, is characterized by blessing, but primarily spiritual blessing. This is not a promise of our best life now. Faith is tested by opposition. We see this here clearly in the life of Abraham. We see it throughout Scripture that faith is tested by opposition. As people of God today, as people who claim to have faith in the God of Scripture, the same God who called Abram, God who sent His Son to us ultimately to, to live so that He might die for us. The call to faith in that God is, is not always an easy road. It's a road that we must be able to discern what are the ways and what are the behaviors and what are the activities and what are the things that are consistent with the plan and the ways and the character of God and what are the things in this life that oppose His ways and His characters. And we too face opposition to the message of God, to the ways of God, to the character of God in this life. We live in a culture in which we're encouraged to have it our way and to just do it and to embrace and celebrate all lifestyles and to redefine morality and to idolize sexuality and to glorify materialism. The call of the God of Scripture is a call to faithfulness to Him, to obedience to Him, to follow His way even when it means turning our back on the ways of the world. But as we believe, we will leave all else and cleave to His promises through faithful worship and obedience, despite any opposition that we face in this world. And the good news for us is that though opposition abounds, the faithful receive confirmation of God's promises. The faithful, those who respond to God's call in faith, receive confirmation of God's promises, confirmation of His word. Look back at Genesis chapter 12, picking up in Verse 7, the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. I don't know what sort of tone the Lord used, but I can't help but think in light of verse 6, and a reminder of the Canaanites in the land, this pagan, perhaps a pagan place of worship, challenging, testing Abram's faith, the Lord appeared to him and said, To your offspring, I will give this land, just as I said I would. What I promised will come about. It will happen in your life. You will see it if you act in faith. God confirmed His call to Abram, His promise to Abram by appearing to Abraham. Today, God doesn't seem to to act in quite the same way, in quite the same fashion most of the time. He doesn't simply appear and 
verbalize something to us or show something to us. I believe He still confirms His promises. He confirms His promises through the completed written Word of God. Confirms His promises as we look back and see the fulfilled Word of God, the fulfilled promise of God through the incarnated Word made flesh. Jesus, who has come to earth, ultimately laying down His life for us. God confirms His promises to the faithful through presence of His Spirit, takes up residence, who resides in those who have trusted in Jesus. The faithful receive confirmation of God's promises. And in the final verses of this passage, we see Abram's response to both his call from God and this confirmation from God. Look back at Genesis chapter 12, picking up in verse 7. The Lord appeared to Abram and said to your offspring, I will give this land. So he, Abram, built an altar there to the Lord, who had appeared to him. From there he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the east and I on the, Bethel on the west and I on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued toward the Negev. So Abram believed this confirmation from the Lord believed this call from God. He acted in faith. He trusted in the Lord. And so he continued in the direction that the Lord was leading him and continued south through the land of Canaan. And he worshipped God. Twice in these three verses, we read about places where he built an altar before the Lord. Remember that this is before the tabernacle was established. This is before the temple was built as a place God to dwell and meet his people on earth. And Abram responds to this word of the Lord by worshiping the Lord. And in the second place here that he built this altar, verse 8, it says that he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Literally made proclamation of the Lord by name. This is the same phrase that's used, same terminology that's used in Chapter 4, verse 26, the end of chapter 4, when Scripture says that the descendants of Seth began calling on the name of the Lord. And what's happening here in Abram's life, what's being communicated here through this worship, I believe, is that Abram is worshiping God, and through his worship, he is proclaiming to others the truths about God. Proclaiming The name of God, the character of God, the attributes of God in a pagan place. And we too are are called to learn and to follow this example as faithful people. The faithful declare their faith through worship. We are to declare our faith in the God of Scripture through our worship of God. We're called to, to worship God privately. To recognize who He is. To surrender to Him. To confess to Him. To bow before Him. To hear from Him. But not only privately. We're called to worship Him publicly before others. For the world to see our commitment to Him and His ways. To proclaim His greatness. And It's interesting here that God had promised to make Abram's name great. And how does Abram respond to God? He responds by 
making God's name great in a foreign land. Proclaiming, exalting, glorifying, praising God. Making God famous in a land of pagans. Folks, we are called to do the same thing. We're called to worship God and to proclaim the greatness and the glory of God. Church, those who believe the word of the Lord will leave all else and cleave to his promises through faithful worship and obedience. How might this connect more specifically with our own lives as people who claim to to follow the Lord today? I want to leave you with just three beginning points, three beginning places as we attempt to take this home, the truth of this passage, the truth of God's word, home to our own lives and how we can begin to apply it. Firstly, trust in God's promises. Trust in God's promises. He is faithful. His promises will be carried out. His word will indeed happen. The promises of this book will happen. God is a faithful God, a loving God whose faithfulness reaches to the skies. Psalm 36, verse 5. A God whose promises recorded here in Genesis chapter 12 to Abram have ultimately been carried out, are being carried out through the seed of Abram, offspring of Abram, Jesus Christ, the one who has come to us in order to provide a way to bless all people, all nations, all tribes, all tongues that are represented on this earth so that whosoever will come to him in faith will receive eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. Trust in God's promises. Secondly, abandon worldly ways. Abandon worldly ways. Just as Abram was called to leave certain things behind, to leave comfort and security and familiarity and pagan religion behind, we too are called to do the same. To turn our backs on worldly ways and to embrace faith in the God of Scripture and to follow Him wherever He leads us. Perhaps that means ending a relationship that is not pleasing to the Lord. Perhaps that means getting the necessary help for a habit that is not consistent with the holy standard of a holy God. Perhaps that means surrendering a certain pattern of thinking, a certain thought life that is not consistent and honoring the God of Scripture. Let's trust in God's promises. Let's abandon worldly ways. And lastly, let's serve the Lord fully. Serve the Lord fully. Those who receive the word of the Lord and respond in faith, respond with obedience and surrender before Him. Surrendering all else in order to fully and faithfully worship Him and to follow Him and to serve Him. Let's be people who when called to leave and to cleave, are found faithful leaving and cleaving. Those who believe the word of the Lord will leave all else and cleave to his promises through faithful worship and obedience. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning. We thank you for your word. Lord, we acknowledge this morning that your word is true. Lord, your promises are true. 
You are a faithful God and you're a God who has invited us to participate in your great plans of redeeming the people for yourself and we thank you for that. Lord, help us to be found faithful. Lord, help us to be people who trust in you, people who repent and abandon worldly ways and people who serve you fully. Lord, who seek you in all things that we might be a faithful and obedient people. Father, lead us, guide us. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your truths. We rest on them, Lord. We stand on them. Lord, guide us as we seek to follow you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray and ask these things. Amen.